I'm going to have loud timers and silent timers. The silent timers are for me so that I don't keep us here all day long. Um, my, uh, my name is Joel. I think I've met everybody here and so, um, or close to everybody here. And uh, it's been a minute since I've been up here like this. Um, so I am, strangely enough, I've talk, I talk to people for a living and I'm a little nervous. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm here today. Uh, hi, Carl. Good to see you, bud. <laughs> but uh, I am here today because I had a wonderful opportunity to go to a, an organizer training last week. And it feels like this week has, so much has happened, I was just talking, sounds like so much has happened this last week. Um, but leading up to this, um, I actually was invited by one of our partner organizations, um, Faith in Indiana, to go to an organizer training where we, would, we spent all week long learning how to be an organizer. Um, and leading up to that, um, Brittany and Melissa were like, what if we uh, have you come back and share, like, for a Sunday? And I was like, okay. Uh, and then I was like, okay, how do, what, do we, what do we call it? What does, it what, what does this look like? And I, I was like, ooh, let's do the polis, being rooted in the polis. And um, I mean, I'm a weirdo in that way. And I'm like, this will be fun because what that means is politics. And so I have you all here, so hold on tight. Um, the, uh, but before we jump into some of that, I just want to share a little bit of my own story and why I am passionate about the things that I'm passionate about. So um, some of you have heard this parts of the story before, but I, uh, I grew up in a small town in Ohio, 3,500 people, um, a small Mennonite town in Ohio, which means that we put the community above everything else. So I grew up in that it's about all of us together, not so much about us as individuals. Um, growing up in that way, um, I learned very early, my mom learned very early, that I wasn't quite like all the other kids. Um, I think it was the first time my mom tells the story of when she went to pick me up at the nursery and she asked, how was he? Expecting to get the, oh, he was fine, he was great. And the, the volunteer said, oh, he was really distracting. And she's like, oh, but he was probably following other people and all of that. And they're like, oh, no, he was bringing everybody along with him on that. And I was just like, okay, let's hold on tight. I was then later diagnosed with ADD before the H got added to it. Um, so uh, now it's uh, ADHD. And I grew up in a uh, community, in a church, in a school system that valued everybody over the individual. I learned very quickly that I wasn't going to fit in like everybody wanted me to. Um, I remember my first uh, time out in uh, kindergarten, sitting on top of the stage during indoor recess, through tears watching everybody. I didn't expect that, but um, through tears watching everybody else play, not knowing why I was in trouble. Um, I remember in first grade, the, I made it a few weeks being able to act like everybody else, but a couple weeks into it, I remember the walk of shame to the board to write my name on that board to signify that I did something wrong. And I remember learning how to tally the infractions afterwards each day as I was learning to tally in my lessons. 
going into that, after a few weeks of that, I learned either I was going to do what people wanted me to do, or I should just give up and just kind of be in charge of my own little life in my own little microcosm. As I went through elementary school, it was a lot of the same, a lot of the same. I learned I wasn't going to fit into this system. Um, I was surrounded by adults that loved me and didn't know how to love me. I was surrounded by adults that wanted to help me and didn't know how to help me. When I got into middle school and high school, my skills became useful. So I felt accepted, especially in the church. I knew how to be charismatic, to smile, to care for people, to put people's, other people's needs above my own because there's no way mine are going to get met. And so in the midst of that, I was able to help hire a youth pastor in eighth grade. I was able to help our youth group grow from 50 to 150, and that put me on the path to youth ministry. I went to school for youth ministry and for Bible, and it was there that I continued to learn that we put the community first, but also for the community, we, especially as Mennonites, some of our pillars, are radical hospitality are nonviolence or not seeking violence in our conflicts or solutions. And uh, simplicity is another piece of that. I grew up in a church where we said we care for everybody. We're here for everybody. And when somebody needed a, a casserole, when somebody needed a meal, when somebody needed, uh, when a cornfield burned down, we were out there picking up the corn from the ashes. We were there for each other when we needed it. And um, I was taught that that's a part of our faith, and that's what that looks like. As I got into ministry, I realized that I learned how to play the game. My faith wasn't my own. I learned to uh, assimilate into a system that really didn't have know how to care for me or what to look like there. And when I was in the middle of a lesson for, uh, in the middle of a lesson for uh, my youth group in Ann Arbor, Michigan, I have felt the reset button on, be pressed on my faith. And God said, you don't believe what you're talking about right now. And I didn't. In the midst of that, I was giving an A plus B equals C lesson to my, to my high schoolers. And we all know that God works with A plus B equals C, right? If this, then that. It's transactional, no nuance, anything like that. But it was then that I think it really hit me that I had grown up and been a part of a system that wasn't made for me, and I found out it wasn't made for a lot of people. I left ministry, started working for Christian Radio, and from that got involved in nonprofit work. And from that, um, my first day, um, or my first month of working for my first nonprofit, Donald Trump was elected. And in the midst of that, I got to mourn and cry with my coworkers on what in the world this shift in our society felt like and what it meant. I didn't know where to turn, though. At that point in time, I didn't know what it meant to be a Christian anymore. At, for those of us who are here at Trinity, we were figuring that out at that time. But it wasn't clear. And I was then invited to, um, to a meeting one of my friends invited me to, to this organization that as our neighbors in Indianapolis were being taken from their homes at night by ICE agents, 
as people were being abducted on their ways to their hearings in Chicago and not making it to their hearings by ICE agents because of the heightened rhetoric and the policies of our time. Somebody invited me to a meeting where, oh, let's accompany our neighbors to their hearings so that they don't get taken by the authorities that they're trying to be compliant with. Oh, let's start a, uh, a crisis line to respond to folks when they can't call the police, but the ICE agents have showed up and they're banging on their doors. How do we hold people accountable to that? I saw people of faith, with faith in Indiana at that time, responding in the way that when I think back to the stories of the Bible, that I think I would have heard the early church responding. When I think back to the stories of the Old Testament and how people and how Israel would make sacrifices on behalf of others, not physical sacrifices, but other nations and go through that, I saw this story and this thread. I said, there's a different story of my faith than is being told in the news. There's a different story of my faith that is being told in the sermons of the towns that are like the one I grew up in. And so I started getting involved with Faith in Indiana because they were the only people that I knew that were putting their faith in action in a way that I saw how Jesus had put his faith into action. They were the organization that I knew that was putting their faith in action in a way that I saw the disciples doing that. That we saw the early, our church heroes in the midst of that. What does it look like to actually put ourselves in and with our neighbors? How do we join with them in the way that Christ joined with us? And so, with that, I think I hit most of it. Um, excuse me. Uh, moving into politics. Um, politics gets a bad rap, right? Um, I can almost, when I say that, I say it because I can feel the energy whenever I say it, and I, it's, it's kind of fun to see y'all squirming that way, because I know this isn't quite, I hope it's not, and if it is, I'm sorry. Um, uh, it doesn't cause too much emotional distress, and if it does, I apologize that that's the case. Um, but I wonder, as I feel that energy in the room, if people could shout out why politics is a bad word, or why we clench up when it comes to the forefront in a conversation or even here today. We'll just take a few answers. Divisive. Divisive. Tribal. Fear of conflict and rejection. That's good, thank you. Any others? Power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lack of integrity. Yeah. Yeah. Unsafe. Would you expand a little bit on that? So through the lens of some of the things we've already heard, that divisiveness, that where the lines are drawn, if you find yourself on a different side, it feels unsafe. Yeah. And understandably so. It's through how we've worked together or not worked together. It's how we've chosen to uh, group ourselves and amass power in those ways 
that has been utilized and thwart, like wielded, that power has been wielded to make us feel so unsafe at times. I want to try in our time today to redefine politics a little bit and then jump into a, a couple of things. Still doing okay. Guys, I'm going to reference time because I had, we could be here all day. It's so hard. Um, so in the midst of that, um, I want to examine where the word politics comes from. Uh, politics comes from the Greek politikos, which means citizen. Um, and so for us, politics meets us all, whether we like it or not. Um, we are all citizens, at least of this earth. We are citizens of maybe our country of birth um, and uh, citizens of, in a broader sense, maybe different groups or tribes. Um, but politikos means citizen. And then we all live in Indianapolis or um, another major city uh, has the title Minneapolis. Um, Minneapolis comes from the word, uh, the native word of the Dakota people of water and city, so city of water. Um, Indianapolis, not as creative. Um, Indiana means land of the Indians, and so this means city in the land of the Indians. Um, so not as creative for Indianapolis, but we are uh, affected by polis, and polis means city or city-state. Um, for the Greeks. And so a way that we can think of politics and what it comes from is how we arrange our life together. An example of that, we were just talking, Matthew and I, I think we just realized that we both experienced a lot of time without electricity um, this last week. Uh, starting Thursday morning, and then going from Thursday morning, not having power, it being 90 degrees outside, 93 degrees outside, no fans, what does that look like? Where does our food go? Who has room? <laughs> do, you, do you have room in your fridge? What about your freezer? What about, where can we sleep? Because 90 degree uh, stuffy house is not a way, place that we can sleep. We had a place to call. We called AES. We contacted them many times. <laughs> where, where are they? What are they doing? Oh, 81,000 households without power. And so we wonder, what do we do now? Now, up until that point, there was a system that was in place. Power lines, power poles, um, a whole infrastructure, a public-private partnership with AES and the state to make sure that these utilities are made available to us. So some people continued to have power and enjoyed that, and others were waiting and waiting for it to come on, <laughs> watching their phones, watching those messages. And it's through our arranged life together that in this situation, it didn't go so well. <laughs> Not when that came through, but within a week, we were able to have everything back. And so with that, because of a system, because of different policies, because of our arranged life, of our common life together, 
It's through the politikos, through the citizens, through the polis, through the state, through our city, that we're able to have things like electricity, water, roads, all things that we participate in. And so with that, we are a part of politics, whether we like it or not. Um, but there are pieces of this that make us feel unsafe, that make us clench up where we have been unsafe because of how we think about politics comes through. Now, as people of faith, how we arrange our common life together, both as a faith group, but as politikos, as citizens, matters. We see this in how the entire Bible is structured, from the creation story to um, the Exodus story, and then we go right into laws, exactly on how we're going to be a just people, how we're going to live life together, starts in those first five books, and then goes on through Jesus starting to turn over tables and fulfill and rewrite, not rewrite, but fulfill the law. And so with that, there's something sacred about how we do this. And there are a couple different ways that we can look at that, but what I would like for you with your papers and your markers and pencils is to take a couple of uh, minutes and ask, what does it mean for me to be a person of faith and be political? So the question is, what does it mean to be a person of faith and be political? I'm going to bring us back in a couple of seconds, give you an opportunity to finish up your thought. Now, I'm not going to ask for us to share these at this point, 
because I think growing up, I saw what it meant to be a person of faith and be political for a lot of folks. What that meant was, frankly, to listen to what good old Jimmy D, uh, not James Dean, but James Dobson, had to say on the radio. Um, and then do what he said. Um, it meant uh, really following a very specific political agenda that was determined by people that weren't in my community. It meant saying the right things in the right place just to see if somebody would respond or agree with you so you know whether they were on your team or not. And then you could know whether or not you could talk crap about the other team. Being a person of faith and being political, for me, I observe, has more to do with liking a certain sports team than it does with how we work with our neighbors to make sure that our common life together works well for us. It looks more like, are you on this side of the line or this side of the line than knowing not just the name of your neighbors, not just whether or not they think like you, but do they have what they need? And so I'd like for us today to think about one, that we can't really get away from politics, and we feel that, we feel that, that weight, but can we, can we engage with politics in a way where we don't have to be constrained by what we see on the news? Where we don't have to be constrained by the uh, boxes that our family puts us in, that our friends put us in, that our coworkers put us in, but instead, what does it look like for us to follow Christ and embody Christ's love that isn't boxed in by at least the way that I've felt, and I'm pretty sure you all have felt as well. And the way that I want to do that is by actually doing something that is pretty countercultural. And I want to actually say that that starts, it's not actually that countercultural. That's, that's me using words that are from... <laughs> from, the, from the system. But, um, but saying that and actually flipping the script that I grew up with, where the people, the group matters at all costs and the individual doesn't. I grew up in a way where it's like, it is about the church, it is about God's kingdom. And I grew up in a place where it felt to me as though we need to go and conquer everybody else for the good of the whole. But when I look at Jesus' ministry, I see him oftentimes turning his back on the system and the whole. And just like we do with our little ones, because we know that they matter so much, getting down and saying, what's going on? I'm here right now. And so what I want us to do today is actually spend some time thinking and reflecting about ourselves. Because in the same way that Jesus called 12 disciples and many others to him, they were not all the same. 
How many times have we been listened to a sermon about gifts of the Spirit and the different parts of the body? Um, if you haven't heard that sermon, it's great. But that's not what this one's going to be. Um, but what I want to do now is actually take, we're going to just do 60 seconds real quick. And we're going to have a lot of questions here. So they're going to come a bit uh, rapid fire. But before we jump into a couple of things, I want to ask, what lights you up? What do you care about? What gets your heart beating in a way that isn't out of stress and anxiety? <laughs> When you're not falling asleep to thinking about the burdens of tomorrow, that one night where you might be like, ooh, I wonder if, what if we, what lights you up? And the next question is not one I'm good at answering, but the next question is, what are you good at? And not in the capitalistic sense, where you're only worth the value you can produce for someone else. But what are you good at? These are important questions because as uh, we've talked about here at Trinity before, we believe that each of us is created and here on purpose. We believe that people are unique in what God has put in them. For me, uh, I anchor myself so much on the idea of Imago Dei, the image of God in each of us. And it looks physically different for each of us, but for each of us internally and personally, it's different as well. And there is beauty and good in that. So today we're going to dive in a little bit more. I've got a handout for us. And for those of us that have uh, done the, been a part of the civic action group before, we're going to do an abbreviated values and interests exercise. Dun, dun, dun. Here we go. And so with this, the importance of this is that we each are... Uh, is that Toad, Carl? That each of us is created uniquely, and sometimes we don't have... We're not told that how we're created uniquely matters. How it's political, how we are created uniquely. So first, this is going to start us off, identify your values is going to be the first one. And these are suggestions. 
Now, in the workbook that this, is ac this actually comes from, each one of these is a different page so that you don't know that you've got to pare it down from all of these to five and then down to three, but we're going to save some paper. Um, and so we're going to take two minutes to start for you to look through this list, and what we want to do is identify your values. Now, there are a lot of my values that aren't on this. Imago Dei is one of those values for me. But take a couple minutes here. These are just to get it started, so feel free to write under it. But first, identify a list of values that matter to you. And then narrow it. Well, let's do that first, but then we'll narrow it down. And this isn't perfect. It doesn't, there's not a right or wrong way to do this either. When I first did this, I felt paralyzed. I was like, what if I don't put a value I care about on here? What if I forget one? So uh, as we go on, we're going to do a minute. Again, if you don't make it all the way through, you're taking these home with you. It's okay. <laughs> um, but a minute to take these down to five and then down to three.
Okay. So, real quick, just wanted to know uh, if anybody would be interested in sharing one of their top three values and why it's valuable to you. Especially if it's one that's not on the list, because I'd be curious what that is. Yes, Sarah. Mm. So, like, going beyond, like, inclusion and then justice, but, like, belonging, um, because I've known, I think we've all known people who are in institutions, what it's like to not belong, mm-hmm. um, and it's so important to me that people feel like they matter, that they belong, that they have worth and a place in our community. Wonderful. Thanks, Sarah. Sarah shared that belonging was one of hers um, because many of us feel, have probably felt, and I'll at least vouch for me, felt that I don't belong and I don't matter. Um, But we we know and believe differently. Um, Thanks for sharing that, Sarah. Anyone else? Katie. Hmm. Katie. Katie shared that responsibility is one of her values and that gives her empowers to be able to care for herself, those around her, and the uh, community around her as well. Thanks, Katie. One more. I heard somebody else start to speak. Mike. Say that again. Soul listener. Tell us about that. Yeah. Soul listener. To be able to hear what people value and to reflect that back to them. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. These values are important for us because each of us has a different combination, a different makeup for that. Um, When I started work with, um, with Faith in Indiana, I was there because I didn't know really what my values were. I didn't know what to turn to. I needed, um, I felt helpless. I didn't know how to put it in action. I knew from my perspective and my faith that somebody's telling a story I don't find true. (laughs) How do I tell a true story? And so with that, for me, and why I'm sharing this with you today as well is because the opportunity, instead of being reactive and going, well, this is the headline today, and this is the headline today, and this is the headline today, and how does this affect people on my street? And how does this affect people in my home? How does this affect people at work? 
or is it just more sports? And so the other side of this worksheet is looking at our interests. The idea and the thought here is, for me, surprise, surprise for those of you that know me, I'll sign up for pretty much anything anybody asks me to. If it means that I'll be there, you need help setting up, you need help tearing down, you need help creating the spreadsheet for this, let's do it. Um, and I got burned out real fast when I started saying yes to everything because I was just going through my values. I had no direction into how to put those values into action. So as you look at these interests, this is just a suggestion. Add more to this. But we're going to spend two minutes writing down, selecting our interests, Writing additional interests down, and then narrowing those down. We're at one minute. About 15 seconds left and we'll bring it back in. So I cheated when I did this originally and uh, lumped most everything of my identities or uh, interests under uh, faith communities and faith-based organizations uh, because for me, my faith permeates most things. At least I like to think that way. So I was like, oh, I can fit five interests under there. Um, so that will definitely be one of my top three. Um, but as we look at values, the lenses and the weights that we carry with us every day, how we see things, the lenses that we see things through, the burdens that, that are on our hearts. And as we explore the ways that those lenses and, uh, and cares can be active in the world, 
If you look at those two, do you happen to see some connections? Does anything stand out to you? I guess I have a question if anybody would be willing to share. Did anybody find anything surprising in going through these two? Oh, the interest and values. And so as you look at both of those, does anything new or surprising pop out to you? I'll take one or two folks if anybody's willing to share. Yeah, Brenda. Well, I'm happy to see you stay at Wallace. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Does that does that feel like I hear that and I'm like, oh, that sounds like a line. Like that sounds like clear. It, it's affirming. Yeah. Um, it's very affirming and I feel like it's, you know, I'm not young, so it's taken me a lot of years to get to that sure. point. Sure. It's it's just really nice to see like the place that I'm putting my energy is also the place that really aligns with my values. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Brenda. Okay, now we're, I've actually run out of time. Um, and so uh, in my first close, probably only of two, um, but uh, I want to thank you for going down this very short journey with us. This is an abbreviated version of the values assessment that we've done uh, with the Civic Action Group. Um, the actual full assessment goes through and ends up with like a, uh, like a mission statement. And I don't like mission statements so much because mission is such a colonizing word. Um, but uh, what I like to call it instead is a purpose statement, a, a, uh, a helpful starting point as we go through our day-to-day -day lives. Um, Hopefully today, and what I was hoping that we could explore together, is what does it look like for us to be clear about what matters to us? There are so many distractions in the political world, which is just the world, but what we call politics that say, we need to pay attention to this right here, right now, and then they never talk about it again because it was a good headline for the day. Or we need to pay attention to this right here, right now, but when we instead flip it, instead of listening to them say how we need to respond to the world, but when we're able to listen to what God's put on our hearts as our purpose, the things that light us up, that excite us, that we've been equipped to do, or that we are working to equip ourselves to do, we're able to work not just 
at a global or national level, but on our street, on our block, in our schools, in our families, big. And we're able then to be connected in the ways that God is working in our lives. And oftentimes that will affect what's going on big picture. But when we're able to be clear and note and kind of run through a rubric of what God's called us to on an individual basis, we can address those uh, more clearly and, uh, and respond to what God's calling us to do more completely. Um, so my challenge as we head out, or as I head out, um, is once you get to your top three interests, if you weren't able to finish all of those, but is to ask yourself the question of one of those interests, what's the best next step? We look at the political world and we say, it looks like this. It's a person that is on a protest line, making phone calls, running for office, doing this. That's what political work looks like. But political work also looks like showing up and volunteering. It looks like the 20-some of us that were at Pride last month just handing out water and snacks and sunscreen so that all of the wonderful queer people didn't bake in the sun. It looks like, how do we see the image of God in our neighbor and respond in the ways God's equipped us to respond? So, um, yeah, all of this, this is funny. All of this was because I went to a training that I applied for a grant for through Trinity and they, uh, were able to help fund me going to that organizer training. And so, thank you. This is some of the stuff that I learned. Um, but uh, us together, that's it. It's us together. That's how we do this. That's how we follow and fulfill our purpose statement for Trinity. Amen.